Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Four Press Podcast presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusek, and in this episode, I'm joined by my colleague, Golf Week senior writer Adam Shupak. In the podcast you're about to hear, he and I go through the exercise of breaking down the Masters once again. It's time for the moderately early, modestly early Masters preview edition. So we talk at length about Tiger Woods, what we saw at the Zozo Championship a couple weeks ago, where we think his game is as he prepares to defend his 2019 Masters Championship. Uh, we also talk quite a bit about Bryson DeChambeau and how his game, in our eyes, matches up with the Augusta National Golf Club's course, uh, what we think could happen, maybe things that might not happen. We also talk quite a bit about Roy McIlroy, John Rahm, and a host of other big-name players, including Brooks Kepka, Bubba Watson, Dustin Johnson, Xander Shoffley, and then we tried to break down the odds and find a little bit of value in what we're seeing from the BetMGM odds and other bookmakers out there in Las Vegas, who they think uh, are the players to beat and where there might be a little bit of value for people who are interested in uh, putting a little wagering or getting involved in some fantasy golf with the Masters. So hold on. Here we go. Get stronger, hit longer, and end pain with Golf Forever. Created by Justin Leonard and co-author of the Younger Next Year Back Book, Dr. Jeremy James, Golf Forever is the Take Anywhere online golf fitness program that helps you build a body prime for golf. It's simple, safe, and it works. At home, in the gym, on the golf course, Golf Forever's easy-to-follow exercises, warm-up routines, and course management videos will help you play your best pain-free. Sign up today at GolfForever.com and use promo code GOLFWEEK for a free 14-day trial. Hello, and welcome back to the Four Press Podcast, and it is time for our somewhat early Masters preview, and I'm joined once again on the Four Press by Adam Shupak. Adam is at home getting ready to pack, getting ready for painters to come, but more importantly, getting ready to head up to Augusta, Georgia, where he's going to be attending the Fall Masters, a tradition that is certainly unlike any other this year. Shup, how you doing, pal? Doing well. I'm, I'm I'm excited. One of the few, the proud that are going to get to be on site. It's uh, it's a, a rare privilege to get to be there in November, and uh, you know, it's excited that we're having a Masters in in 2020. It, it wouldn't be the same without it. It uh, it felt like it never was not going to happen. I don't know when everything was going on, and we had to shut down the players on the Friday morning before the second round. Um, obviously, a lot of us immediately turned to Augustine. We were thinking like, okay, well. The world is going into a pretty dark place. Businesses are shutting down. People are basically betting in place all over the United States and all over the world at this point. The Masters doesn't feel like it can happen a little over a month out, and obviously they had to make the appropriate delays. But I never in my mind, shoot, had it that we we wouldn't play the Masters. Did it ever enter into your head that 2020 could be masterless? I think it did as, as time kind of started ticking on, you know, as the tour was was shut down into a, you know, a second month and stuff. And then it's kind of, you know, I do feel like the masters, they're, they're their own little world, their own little universe, and and they can kind of do whatever they want. And I kind of felt like they would, they would figure out a way. I, I, I just didn't think they would do it with no fans. I thought they would have some, I thought they would have their own, their own cure, <laughs> their own, their own, their own pill to take so that everybody would be fine who who attended it. And it is a little, when you think about it, a little crazy that they're fans this week at the Bermuda Championship and will be next week at the Houston Open, but not at the Masters. No patrons. It's, um, I think that for me, I, I thought that you're right. I thought that they, at this point, I had hoped that we as a country and that the area would be in a place where we could have spectators at sporting events around Thanksgiving time because we, we learned about this over the summer and it was a great shot in the arm for sport. It was a great shot in the arm, obviously for golf, golf being one of the first sports um, besides Korean baseball that my son and I were waking up or wait, way too early on weekday mornings, you know, in the spring to, to watch that 
golf makes its comeback. We, we know we've got this on the horizon. And I had sort of thought by the time we got to where we are now, spectators could be in some kind of numbers. That, again, like you're saying, the Masters would figure it out. Um, and we're not there, obviously, at this point. But I thought that the Masters was always going to happen. I always felt that the U.S. Open, the PGA Championship, those ones would potentially not happen. Obviously, we didn't have a, a British Open this year. Um, simply because the, the biggest inherent advantage that the Masters has is that it is at the same course held at a private club every year. And so many of the things that go on to hold a major championship, whether it's a week-to-week PGA Tour event or certainly a major, they've, they've already got in place permanently. All the infrastructure, the course, obviously, everything is there. So they could play with the date. They could play with how they would want to do these things. And I thought that was sort of an inherent advantage that Augusta National had over what the USGA, the PGA of America, and certainly the RNA were, were attempting to do. Yeah, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm thrilled that they're going to have one. Um, you know, considering all the other events that have been played, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't have hosted it at this point. And uh, I just wonder, like, I, I think they could have done something kind of fun with the Champions Dinner. Mm. Uh, I think they could have turned that into its own television event. I'm just thinking of this off the top sure. of my head right now. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, considering they're not doing the par three contest, right. I think they could have they could have made like just almost turned it into like the way they do the induction ceremony. Just have have those guys having dinner outdoors instead of like in the clubhouse. And it, it could have. Could you imagine storytelling? Yeah. A, you- like a one time. We're, we get to be the mosquito on the wall and, you know, if you could put cameras up on the, on the tree outside and have a whole bunch of picnic tables, which would be so in keeping with Augusta national to do something really, really low key. And yet here is Ben Crenshaw sitting next to Jack Nicholas, sitting next to VJ Singh. there's tiger and Phil and Jordan Spieth. And then at the head of the table, you know, you, you've got Fred Ridley at, at one end um, and then you, you've, the whole thing, it would be so in keeping with what people perceive to be the most elite, hard to get into golf club in the United States. And then once you're there, the, the feeling in the air that they try and present as being ultra casual, even though obviously it's not, but there is, there is that feeling though, when you, when you go that, that they're trying to make it homey in a way, it would be amazing. Yeah. I wonder if maybe it would, it would could backfire and take away some of the mystique of the thing being like, <laughs> Oh, that's all they really do is, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And if we, we already know the recipe, my wife's got it for, for the pimento cheese sandwiches, thankfully. So while I will not be at the masters this year, I always wait to have my pimento cheese sandwiches. This is my D- Damon hack. And I many years ago started our tradition. If we would get, we would hold off on the pimento cheese. We would go to the masters club, um, is our move, but we, we would save and have a, have a pimento cheese sandwich at Amen Corner on Sunday as the leaders came through. That was sort of our, when we were working together, that became sort of our thing for a couple of years. But That's I have nice the recipe. Dish. I will be looking forward to, to popping one open. Um, what have you talked about, if, if anything at all, with, with folks who are familiar with Augusta National in, the, in November, in fall? What do we know about, we know about the golf course in April. It's going to look really different. What are you hearing about how it's going to play and how it's going to behave? I keep hearing that it's going to play a lot longer and, uh, you know, that the par fives may become more like the year Zach Johnson won laying up on all those par fives and making birdies with his wedges that it may be a little harder to get home in two. On, on, then again, you know, you might have Bryson driving hmm. at 400 yards and, and, and that won't be such a problem. But uh, I, I do think it could play a lot slower. It, it's going to it's going to be really interesting based on, you know, you could get 70 degree week. I mean, it's still, it's still, it was, it was almost 90 yesterday. I, I was in Orlando earlier in the week at the uh, mothership yeah. <laughs> for some, for some meetings and, and got out for a late nine and it was nearly 90 degrees in, in Orlando. So, uh, but it could also be, I think, uh, Justin Ray put together some, some figures for us. The average temperature, the low is 47 yeah. in November and, in, in uh, in Augusta. So if it's 47 degrees, I don't really like Tiger's chances too much in, in that type of temperature. I think we'll, we'll get into Tiger in just a second, but I took a look and, and that's sort of what I was hearing. I had a chance to talk a little bit with Mark Immelman, um, who knows obviously that area intimately lives down in that area. Um, we'll be working for, for CBS. And he said the prevailing wind is from the North, which is we're, we're getting kind of geeky here, but, but everybody knows this golf course so much. And we've been looking forward to it. 
I didn't realize until I took a look at the golf course on Google Earth and then had obviously a compass right there how many golf holes at Augusta National go east and west. And if a, if it's a north wind, essentially, that means the wind is going to come right to left, for example, on the first hole. So you've got a crosswind. And there's a lot of holes that run in those directions. The, the ones that, that I think can be much more effective, which makes it really interesting, the par 5 eighth hole, which plays up that hill, which is a big, big hill for people who have not been there. Obviously, we've seen it uh, on television a gazillion times. I think that has the potential, if the wind is blowing a little bit, it'll, it should be into the player's face off the tee. That is going to make that, for a lot of players, a true three-shot par five. I don't know that if they're sitting with an uphill lie into the wind, almost 300 to the front, how many players are going to be able to crack a big high draw into the wind and get it up onto that green. I, I'm sure there, there will be some that do, but it's going to play into the wind. The other one that plays right into the wind is 18, which with the Masters on the line – if the wind is blowing directly into some players' faces, hitting through that chute off the tee becomes that much more challenging. Any spin that's on that ball, obviously we know right is not where you want to be, and maybe it brings those bunkers even more into play. Maybe guys can't even get it there. I, we're, we're making a lot of guesses at this point because we've never seen this before. But um, the softness of the golf course, I think also if you get that type of cool, I'm sure the Masters and the Augusta National can do lots of things, but... If it's not raining and it's just cold, you can't sub-air out that much more firmness if every night it's into the mid and upper 40s. You pointed out Tiger Woods. Um, I'm not loving Tiger's chances either at this point. Tell me what you've seen from Tiger in the few starts that he's had this fall. What have you seen? What's your impression on him going going into this tournament? Well, I just watched him play you know, last week at Zozo and uh, – Man, what a difference a year make. The swing didn't look quite as good. The the club head speed seemed to be down significantly. Um, I mean, he was he was hitting you know, like 290. Set, looked like a long drive for him there. And you know, he re- obviously he can get away with some more wayward drives. The, the rough was was juicy there, and, and and that that caused some issues. His his he had one day where his wedges were dialed in, but for the most part, his iron play was was just was actually I would say subpar for him. I mean it was still above average but but for him not so great. And then, you know, it was interesting. He said the one thing that he did well that week, his one takeaway was that he putted well. Well, um I don't know, not what I saw. <laughs> yeah. Um maybe a couple of putt, he made a couple nice putts, but he ranked 65th. He lost 3 strokes, you know, to the field in putting. So I I think I hope he's working on that. Uh, there was an interesting conversation on the PGA Tour Live between Mark Carnival and one of the other announcers about how they'd like he'd like to see Tiger go back to the old the old the old uh, putting grip instead of you know he's made this recent change. Yeah, he went into a and, cord grip. Yeah, and and um, I, I don't know how big a factor that is, but just like how he has had made it you know changed a little bit with the the Scotty and, and done some th- you know tried to he's just not putting well. I, I don't yeah. I don't see it and. Uh, just there's nothing really looking that good right now. I mean, he finished 72nd in the field. Um, you know, he didn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't beat Chan Kim head to head. It'd be top, it'd be Phil on Sunday in their, their pillow fight. But, yeah. um, you know, he's, he's losing to Adam Wong and, and, uh, I know he's working on things. And, and once he was out of the, out of the tournament, really on Thursday shooting 76, it was just about trying to find some things. I would, it's a very interesting fact situation does he does he you know he's it's kind of been said that he's not going to play houston mm-hmm. he hasn't officially said it yet at this time of recording this but uh you know i don't like seeing him play two weeks in a row but i i think he also probably could have used some reps i would have liked to have seen him actually maybe go to bermuda just to get some reps <laughs> and then have the week off uh of houston. probably probably some good spear fishing to be had around there i'm just guessing <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been to bermuda once when i was in college um, the thing with Bermuda, though, that I think that I, it was Tiger was never going to go, and I think that even if he ne- felt like he really needed the reps, that island is perpetually windy, and I think that that would be something. He's a wind phobe and a weather phobe, and you know that for a long time. I don't know that those kind of reps would be as productive. I mean, maybe he can hit through it, and maybe that's good practice. Um, but to me, and you and you sort of touched on it, Shoop is. If Tiger's not striping the ball with his irons 
the way that we traditionally think him to, to do that. It puts so much more pressure on the rest of his game. We know that his driving hasn't been consistent. He's, he's shown from time to time that he can hit some fairways, and when he hits fairways, the rest of his game seems to domino effect to the positive. But if, if the iron game, which has always been the foundation of, of his really good play, isn't there, then the putting has to be really good. The driving has to be really good. He's not going to give himself as many chances, good chances for birdie, and the Masters field is going to be loaded. Obviously, there's just the biggest names, and everybody has been really locked in, certainly since winged foot, but even before that, there were some players that, that were already talking about and looking at, well, what are we going to get with a fall Masters? Someone, I think more than more than one or two, are going to, they're going to go low. They're going to figure out how to play this. And from what I saw at Zozo, uh, I wasn't really thinking that. I don't know if Tiger's also, his back is as affected as maybe we might ordinarily think by cold weather, but 50 or 55 degrees, a little chill in the air, can't be good for someone who's had back surgeries. It can't be good for him, right? I agree. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're going to even have the early start again on Sunday, which I mean, I know it worked out for him last year, but he, he's got to get off to a good start. And I think if he can hang, hang around, just be lurking, he's, he'll be very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that lurking can legitimately on Sunday be within, say, five or six shots. Uh, we saw last year, last year, we, 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 we saw in 2019 how, once again, this tournament more than any other is just designed and, and optimal for theater and for fireworks on the back nine. How many guys put it into the drink on 12? How many guys were able to make eagles here and there? There's huge moves. So four, five, six shots even is not out of the realm of possibilities if Tiger gets hot. Um, Bryson DeChambeau is going to be one of the favorites this year at the Masters, which I think a year ago we might not have been totally surprised, but I think right now, coming off of his win at the U.S. Open, um, it it seems like Bryson's really finding his stride. Do you like how his game and where he is right now matches up with what we think Augusta National is going to be like? His confidence is soaring. He's playing some great golf. Um, You know, I always thought that he, you know, even before he added this distance and the and bulked up, I thought that he could be a guy to win the Masters almost in a VJ Singh type style, where he's not a great putter, but he's become such a good putter. Yeah, I think I I just don't know will he be able to putt the way he did at at the U.S. Open, or is that is that just a one week fluky, you know, had it had his great putting week um, and wins by six or, or can he, is he that good of a putter now? He's worked so hard on that. Everybody focuses on his, on his distance and, and for good reason, but his putting has improved, you know, leaps and bounds. He's become, I'm not going to, you know, Mike shy keeps calling him the best or one of the best. I don't know if I'm going that far, but Let's he's pumped the brakes on that a little bit. Yeah, but. He, he's turned into a, a, he's turned, he turned a negative into a positive. He doesn't have to be a great putter. He, that, and that's the thing. When you've got that kind of length, and if you are hitting literally wedges where other people are hitting six irons, then your putting doesn't have to be Brad Faxon. It just has to be not, as you're sort of saying, it doesn't have to be something that holds you back because he's going to get so many chances. He's going to hit the ball so much closer. And he is getting better, which you know all, all the more you know, reason good, good for him. What do you think about the idea of a 48-inch driver? Like, is that how, how intrigued are you? I, I just want to see it. I want to see what's going to happen if he un- unleashes the Kraken and and all of a sudden what what the you know the Augusta National and everybody else thinks if if this thing actually works. Yeah, I I, I think it's it continues to be as the USGA and RNA you know uh, just take way too much time coming up with what they're going to do and, mm-hmm. and um, Bryson is the guy that's moving the needle on this topic, keeping it in the headlines. And, uh, you know, if he were, if he were to win and, and just bomb it and, and yep. chip and putt his way around, turn it into a pitch and putt on holes like, you know, three and some of the other, you know, three, I mean, I, I was thinking if, if he's really getting like, you know, so he's gone up on social media and released some videos with 400 yards of carry. Now, depending on exactly where he is and what he's doing, let, let's, let's roll that back to some degree. If he's carrying it 360 even 
on the first hole, that puts him, by my estimations, past that bunker on the right side, up onto the flat part of the fairway. He's hitting sand wedge. He's going driver sand wedge into one. And then down that hill, if he hits it onto the downslope on two, that ball will roll and roll and roll, even if it is soft. We've seen guys already put it out there. All of a sudden, he goes driver sandwich into one, and like driver seven iron, eight iron into two, and it's like I, I this is we're back in you know ninety seven and tiger proofing all of a sudden. Yeah, it's uh, it'll it'll be part of me wants to see it. Part of me also is scared to the bajingies about what would happen if a player did that and what the Augusta National and the USGA and the RNA would do really quick to make sure that that never happened again. And I don't want them to need your, well, what, what do you think about him not playing, you know, in the weeks leading up to basically saying like, I don't need the prep. Is that the ultimate alpha move trying to say like, I don't even need to show up. I'm just going to show up and win. Or do you think that's sort of a foolish play? Um, I, I think he's, he's a guy who, who plays a lot. So I think he's in good shape. You know, he's, he's come, he came back right away from, from COVID and, and, and played solid golf pretty quickly. I, I think I don't have a problem with him taking these weeks off. If you're not a guy that wants to play the week before major, um, you know, I, I, I'm fine with him mm-hmm. taking this strategy. I just don't know why he needs to, I, I would have waited to work on the 48 inch driver until, it's, you know, it sounds like it's one bit. of these things that he's been tinkering with for a few months. Like th- this has been in the back of his mind. Um, it sounds like since July, August, like I, I know that he was tinkering around with it before Wingfoot. Um, and, um, we'll sort of see, I, I, I agree. Like I, I have no problem with him taking off the week of Houston and maybe even skipping Bermuda Houston, because I think Bermuda is just such a unique place in preparation, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I got, that's why they play it. Rory McIlroy will be looking to co- complete the career grand slam this year. And, um, in your mind would this, would there be an asterisk if he wins it? Is there any asterisk at all about him? completing the career grand slam under these circumstances? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that would be fair. I could see people saying that, but that would, that would be sour grapes to me. If you, if you've won all four majors, um, I mean, that's just, that's just so remarkable in golf. It's, it's pretty remarkable in tennis, but it's, it's done, you know, we've seen it a lot of times in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. Um, but to do it in golf, it's such a rare thing. He'd be, you know, five guys have done it. Um, you know, this is his, his sixth attempt. So I, I feel like the weight on his shoulders just grows with each year. And there are too many guys that we thought would always win, win at Augusta that never have. So mm-hmm. I, I think it gets harder and harder. I feel like there's just a ton of pressure on him, And maybe the fact that it's in November that he, um, he's not coming in. I mean, he's got a bullseye on his back cause he's trying to cr- uh, win the grand slam, but he hasn't been playing very good golf. Um, he's he just had the baby. I think, I think there is something to that maybe taking a little pressure off him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hope he gets in the mix cause I love that storyline. And I, I, I really hope to see something. I, I just think an achievement of that magnitude, it would be, it'd be, uh, you know, an honor to be there to, to witness it. Yeah. I think it would be really special. And, um, I had Peter Costas on a couple weeks ago and he was remarking and I agree with him that, Rory is one of these guys who's blessed with so much talent and has put in a lot of work to his game, and we see all of that. But that's not the whole story to him as a person. And obviously knowing throughout the summer that his wife was probably going to be giving birth towards the end of the summer and the fall, and that um, that along with the stress that all of us have felt since the COVID pandemic became a reality for everybody, he looks at things in not – and I know this isn't not in a selfish way. He's not cocooning himself in his work in golf to the point where he thinks about things on a bigger scale. And I think that he, he has a really good, as much as anybody in his position can have it, a really good sense of priorities. And we prioritize him winning the masters pretty damn high. I, I really want to see him achieve that at some point. I agree that every year that passes, especially now that I consider him to be in his prime, that that's just one more you know, opportunity that gets away from him, whether he squanders it by shooting an 81 after shooting a 65 or whether somebody just outplays him. There's a finite number of years when you can realistically say, like, I'm going to be a contender at the Masters, and every year, tick, tick, 
tick. They, th- those opportunities go away. Um, but I, I think that, that he has, he just looks at it differently. And I wonder if now being a dad, if that in some ways takes the burden off of him, we haven't seen it, but it's just something that, that I think emotionally and mentally maybe frees him up at this to realize that if he doesn't get it, he'll still be fine. His wife and his kids will still love him that he'll still go down as one of the great players of his generation. And he's already a hall of famer. I mean, that's already been, you know, foregone conclusion at this point. Um, but I, I, think, I wonder if it I think relaxes he, him. I don't know if I agree with you. I think he kind of tricks himself into feeling that way. Right. But I think deep down, deep down, he wants he wants that in a big way. He wants that grand slam. He wants to be able to go to mm-hmm. that champions dinner. He knows he 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 gave it away in, in 2011. Without a doubt, when he had when he had the lead, um, and he knows. I think he probably you know he he totally. I'm just going to say it. He mm-hmm. choked. Yeah couple of years ago with when he when he played in the final group with Patrick Reed and, and shot 74 and he was a non-factor last year finishing a disappointing 21st and 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 finished on the wrong nine yeah on Sunday you know you don't he doesn't want to see, ever see that happening so I mean I think he either needs to to be have one of those weeks where he dominates and win it by eight yeah or he might or he might have that 64 on Sunday I, I don't know if he's going to do well in between unless the guys around him fold. Well, but, I think that that could end up being the saving grace for him is again, depending on when we do this and how it all works out in reality with the weather and with the daylight and all that stuff. If Rory starts the day five off the lead, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that with no fans and excuse me, no patrons that will be on the grounds at the Augusta national an early tea time. And he's just loosing goosey out there and just starts going at it. And if the and if things are soft, I don't know obviously what those greens are going to be, but if they are softer than normal, he knows the 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 whole positions. He knows the golf course now as well as just about anybody. Maybe that loosens him up. And and to your point, he doesn't lead wire to wire, which is maybe our expectation. Hey, Rory, why are you not in the lead after the first day? Why are you not in the lead after the second? But he's hanging around enough, sort of like what we talked with Tiger, where he just goes out there and blitzes it and shoots sixty four or shoots sixty three. And no one can catch him, or the weather changes, or some of these goofy things that we you know that always happen, and that it falls into his lap. Maybe that's the way it happens. Um, we'll see. We've seen enough bad shots from him. It seems like he has one bad round every year. And if you go back, there's almost always a mid to high seventies round sprinkled in with that sixty six and that sixty seven. Um, we'll see. John Rahm, speaking of somebody who knows how to shoot a really low score, um, I love where this guy is trending. Um, you and I have talked about him being loco in the capesa every once in a while. Um, <laughs> he's getting better though, isn't he? He's holding it together better this season and, and better. He didn't do it at Wingfoot, but I'm liking what I'm seeing from John Rahm right now. What about you? Yeah, you, you were, you were asking me who I like as, as a favorite. And, um, I had a couple names in mind, but, but I think John Rahm probably is the guy that I would, if, if I was, you know, gonna place a bet mm-hmm. i might go with john rom because i just like everything about his game and feel like augusta could really match up well and it really just comes down to ken- the temperament and when he gets into into a bad spot because it's gonna happen there how does he handle it how does he handle hitting it in the water at at, at 12 or mm-hmm. or going for it in two and and making six or seven at, <laughs> at 15 and, and and it could even be Saturday. It doesn't have to be Sunday, but, um, I just feel like I, I, I agree. I really like the way he's playing. He, he didn't, it didn't really, it was, I was a little surprised that once he got the lead on Sunday at Zozo, he took the lead solo with at the 11th. He then went and bogey 12 and 13 and 13 was a very soft bogey. Um, that I'm sure he was kicking himself about, but, mm-hmm. but in the grand scheme of things, if you're going to blow one, let it be the Zozo and get, you know, without a doubt, learn the lesson and be a little tougher next time and, and, you know, close the deal at Augusta if you can. The Sneak is a true crime podcast from For the Win in USA Today, and this season is on a surfing champion whose life took a violent, tragic turn. Within 30 seconds, they're both dead. The Sneak Murders at Whiskey Creek is out July 29th, wherever you get podcasts.
tied for second at Zozo, 68, 67, 63, 68. He was tied for 17th at uh, Shadow Creek the week before. T23, really not a factor at the U.S. Open. I think that was a bad matchup for Rom. I, I think that, that, that winged foot for him was pretty tricky. Uh, finished last season fourth at the Tour Championship, wins BMW, T6 at Northern Trust, wins Memorial, obviously in dramatic fashion. There's a lot, a lot of really good golf. And I think right now he wears the crown for when the streak is going. John Rahm doesn't know how deep he can take it. And I think that he has got the confidence right now. We talked about Bryson. I think the only player right now who, when he feels he's on, who might think that he's better than that and, and that there's literally no one. Rom doesn't know a score that he can't shoot. I see him just making bunches of, of birdies. To some degree where he is right now is where I think Anthony Kim could have reached. Kim, you know, making just gobs of birdies when he was on sort of runs a little hot cold, but we felt like before he left the golf scene that that the hot was starting to get more consistent, you know, and, and I, I just love the way he does it. I think if he and you know his caddy can keep it together for four rounds, there's not a shot that he can't hit. You know, he's he's a solid number two. He's almost number one. I mean, we're talking fractions of a point. These things are going back and forth, whether Justin Thomas makes a putt on 18 at Zozo to whether he's going to, you know, Rahm is going to be number one or two in the world. Um, I think the world of him. I, I, I have no doubt, Shoop, that, that he is going to win a Masters. It very well could be this year, but if it's not, I, I have no doubt that, that he will win one of these things because every part of his game. He also, sneaky good putter. Really, really good putter. And, and has shown that he can be clutch with some of the putting. The, putt, oh, yeah. the putts against Dustin Johnson, the putts to win his first PGA. We, we've seen him be clutch. I, I, you know, I'm going to throw out another name. I think, uh, I think JT is, is probably that, that was going to be my pick before mm -hmm. I started thinking about John Rahm a little with you. Okay. <laughs> uh, so here's a good stat that, uh, that Justin Ray of the 15th club sent, you know, has in, in the latest issue of golf week, the last five players to have, um, well, sorry, the last five years, the player to lead the Masters in strokes gained approach has finished first, first, second, third, and first. Yep. And, you know, JT is probably the best iron player in the world right now. Uh, hasn't been worse than – he's been sixth or better in, in that category each of the last four seasons. Yeah. And he's gotten better at Augusta's finish every year that he's played it. Finished T12 last year. So he, he's still not – you know, hasn't had a top 10 finish yet in, in his four starts. But yeah. – uh, He's played really well. Um, he's he's eight over the opening round and eight under in rounds two through four. So if he can just get off to a good start, just any kind of a start, yeah, yeah, I, I think I think he's he could be right there. And then he also has putted very poorly at Augusta National. Mm -hmm. uh, so if he can just improve there, and and he's got this new putting coach, his putting has been better, I think, in the last month. Um, and again, he's kind of like what we were talking about with Bryson. He doesn't have to be Brad Faxon. He just needs to be, you know, okay. Yeah. He's just have a, a, a good week for him and he could be very tough to beat. Um, I'm there. I'm, I'm all in. You don't have to sell me for one second. I would buy all the shares of Justin Thomas stock that, uh, that someone would be willing to sell me. I have no problem with that. Um, Brooks Kepka. I also like. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go no, back go, one last thing on yeah, JT. Yeah. You know, when he lost that playoff to Morikawa, uh -huh. um, he came right back and won in Memphis. Yeah, and it could be the similar yep. type of situation where I'm sure it's burning him a bit that he let it get away. He had a, had a great opportunity. He was the 54 hole leader. This is now the third straight 54 hole lead he hasn't closed. Yeah. Um, you know, at Zozo. That he could come right back at Augusta and sh and show, look, I do know how to close, I do know how to win, and 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 he's he's won a major before, so he's he's proven that he can do it. Um, I think I would put money on him as well. I I'm I'm right there with you. You I'm sold. I'm buying. Like I said, I'm buying. I want to go through a couple names relatively quickly, and then I want to get to the odds and let's see if uh, for those people who are out there, maybe in a little fantasy golf, if you're thinking about that or you live in the appropriate state, which unfortunately I do not, um, we can. <laughs> go over some of the bet MGM odds. Um, Brooks Kepka. Um, I don't know that I've seen enough good golf this year for me to feel really good about Brooks Kepka. And then as soon as I say that, 
Um, he is the John Wayne, basically, of 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 the PGA Tour right now. He he walks into the OK Corral with a six shooter, and the bigger the moment, the more I think he's the kind of guy who comes through. What do you think? Yeah, such a wild card. I don't. I don't know. I, I just don't know how healthy he is. Um, but you know, I'm I think. He came so close last year. I don't think he'll make a mistake on number 12 again. If he's in contention, um, I, I would, I would, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he were to win, but yeah, I just, I don't have a ton of confidence in him heading into this one. Okay. Player who tied for fourth last week at Zozo tied for seventh at shadow Creek T 31 at the U S open Bubba Watson, two time masters champion had his caddy, uh, Ted Scott on the podcast last week. Um, Bubba's kind of sneakily getting his groove back. We had a great story on golfweek.com about his, you know, so working through some emotional issues and, and really coming out about um, things and anxieties and that were going on in his head and how he's working through all that. I think that Bubba mentally is in a much better place now than he was a few years ago. I still love his creativity and he can still move the ball. Um, two-time champ. What do you think? Yeah, if Bubba's in, if Bubba's in, in contention, you know that that's his course. He's he's yes, proven horses for courses guy. Loves his Riviera, loves his TPC River Highlands. He wins mm-hmm. at certain courses, and and yeah, I I, I haven't really seen a, a, a ton of great form from him. Uh, it, like you said, uh, was moving in the right direction at the U S open. I always, I don't see him with the working out too well with the U S open. So yeah. it didn't surprise me that he fell back a bit on the weekend. Um, but I think he just, that's, I think Augusta national is one of his happy places and it, I wouldn't, uh, I don't think of him as one of the, the favorites, but certainly a guy so, who could do it again. So we talked about JT and you, you gave the Justin Ray stat about ball strikers and, and strokes gain approach being important at the masters 2019, Bubba Watson ranked 120th strokes gain approach with a negative average, negative .05, which means that he was slightly worse than tour average. At the end of the season that we just finished, he brought it back up to 69th. So a pretty nice move there. Again, a .2, which means he's now quarter of a shot, fifth of a shot, better. He's putting significantly better than than he used to. Um, He went from 167th in 2019 to 91st. Again, Bubba Watson doesn't need to putt great when, when you can drive it off there and you can hit better iron shots. The putting is getting better, and the, and the driving, he's still a top 10 strokes gained off the tee. Um, something interesting from the Ted Scott conversation that I had last week, it, and it makes total sense from listening to somebody like Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods, Augusta National, more than any other golf course, Ted told me, brings out the creativity that Bubba thrives on. He likes to be able to shape shots he likes to be able to look around the landscape and work the ball. Nobody in my mind works the ball or has a game that's built on working the ball more than him. So if he can be mentally focused and engaged in that, if his interest is in it, and certainly shooting something like 74 the first day will kill that off quickly. But if he can get out there and shoot 67 or 68, it's like, huh, Bubba Watson, two green jackets already in the mix. He's engaged. Then I think he sticks around. If he has a bad first day, I could see it uh, going the other way. Xander Shoffley, a guy who we're all now waiting to see a major championship, a guy that we all thought could do some things. Um, is this his year? Do you think this is? I mean, he's he's been you know sipping at the cup, but he hasn't taken the bottle yet off the table. <laughs> when, when is he stealing the bottle and going with it? I know. I that was that's the other name I was really thinking of. Uh, you know. I just think he's yeah he there's there's not there are no holes in it's, his game. Nope. He's playing fantastic, as consistent as anybody in golf right now. So it feels like just a matter of time with him that he's going to win a major. And yeah, the way he played last year, finishing second there, um, it would not surprise me if if it wasn't his time. So uh, obviously we we saw him with a fifth place finish at the U.S. Open, runner up at Shadow Creek, T seventeen at Zozo. Um, as you said, that from a statistical standpoint, he's bulletproof. Um, you know, as we're having this conversation right now, he's third in strokes gained total. It's it's good off the tee. It's very good 
approach the green. He's 51st, ninth in short game, 12th in putting. I mean, it's everything that you could want except just hasn't gotten it done. Um, yeah, we're all sort of waiting. All right, let's play guess the lines at this point. Who do you think is the uh, BetMGM odds? We'll go by money line. So uh, who, who do you think is has the uh, the edge? Who's the favorite right now in Vegas? It's got to be Bryson. You are correct, sir. Be. Bryson going off at plus 750, which would mean, for those of you playing at home, if you bet 100 bucks on Bryson, you would win your 100 back plus $750. Um, John Rahm at plus 1,000. Then Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, Rory at 1,200. I'll tell you what, Xander Shoffley, tour I a betting man. Xander Shoffley <laughs> at plus 1,400 seems like quite a nice little value play. Put 100 bucks down. Get your hundred plus fourteen hundred more. That's uh, that's rather generous, isn't it? I would have thought he's yeah, a little that, bit better than that. Yeah. Um, Tiger Woods. You got a guess for me? Hmm. Is he is he plus plus two thousand? Plus thirty three hundred. Thirty three to one odds according to Vegas, and Tiger winning the Masters. Could I would have thought there'd be more money More money still going to him just because it's Tiger He has and the, the same odds right now, 33-1, to 1, is Tony Finau and Matthew Wolf. Matthew Wolf and Tiger Woods at the same odds. Very, very interesting stuff. Bubba Watson, Terrell Hatton, um, and my sleeper pick for the Masters, Webb Simpson, going off at plus 2,800. I think this could really be Webb's time. I love the way that he finished. I love the way that he putts. I love the fact that he has played a lot of major championships, obviously winning his U.S. Open in 2012 at Olympic. I I just think that he is one of these people that, and I will raise my hand and say I'm one of them, who forgets about Webb Simpson when it comes to major championship season. He, uh, in my mind, I don't know if he necessarily ticks every box, but... I, I just look at, at his game as being, in some cases, just underappreciated. The guy has overcome, when they took away the anchored putting, he was adrift. And I think that he would admit it. Uh, I know that he tells the story of he snapped his belly putter at one point just because he had to get over it. He finished last season ranked 13th in strokes gain putting. And we have seen the ball striking, finished 6th strokes gain approach. If that's going to be our recipe... Um, I don't know that he is long enough. That's going to be the test. If you really got to move the golf ball, he's about 290, 295 off the tee kind of guy. Everything else after that, to me, is just money. What do you, what it's, uh, what's your impression or what thoughts do you have about Webb? As soon as you brought up his name, I instantly thought back to 2007 Masters when Zach Johnson won with all that great wedge play. And it I, you know, we don't know what the weather is going to be, but it, I, I, there is this sense that it, the course could be playing longer. And if that's the case, maybe the fact that Webb isn't so long, everybody's having trouble getting home in two. It could be the type of year where, you know, length doesn't matter quite as much at Augusta and everybody's having to to lay up on the par fives. I, I think I think Webb just has such a such a good game right now as as has like I agree with most of what you said there about how he's figured out the putter. He's always been so good with the long irons and hybrids. And, and uh, you know, one of those guys that, you know, he'll hit his hybrid inside, you know, a lot of these players, seven and eight irons. Mm. And, uh, yeah, he's been a little quieter of late, but I think he's just kind of lurking there. Sneak could be a sneaky pick. He's so easy, I think, to overlook in some ways the way that Jim Furyk was for a long time. I mean, he's, I, I don't see Webb Simpson going out and shooting 76. I don't know that he's going to shoot enough 65s to keep pace with some of the horses. I mean, historically, the most common winning score at a Masters is eight under par. But if you go since about 1990, it's it's moved down. The winning score is now around 13 or 14 on average. A couple guys have taken it deep. Tiger took it deep one year. Jordan Spieth, when he wins you know, is, is going really, really low. But I think a lot of guys are looking at somewhere around like 12, 13, 14. Like you're going to kind of have to get there. So figure three or four under par. So now 68s, 
Like if 68 is your bad day, yeah, I could see Webb Simpson throwing in one really nice one and then shooting like 68, 69, 66, 68. Like that that to me seems totally doable for me and that could do it. He was in the green jacket hunt last year and I'll tell you that's his favorite golf course to play and you wouldn't think that because of the length disadvantage that he has but that's his favorite place to play and mm-hmm. and any time a player gets to that course they love I mean I think that does make a difference especially if they're on So Shoop, I want to ask you also we hear you and I've been fortunate enough to to have been to multiple masters and one of the things that's going to be different this year is obviously no patrons going around the golf course we're not going to see people around the rope lines we're not going to see grandstands and that's going to visually make the golf course look a lot different um if you go out there and have a chance to play it it's going to look like what the members see but at the same time one of the the really interesting things that's going to happen is that we're not going to hear the roars around the golf course you and i having been there you can be on the golf course and you hear a huge roar or something that happens and you sort of do the math in your head and you turn around and like, okay, I'm here. And you look at your, your tea time sheet, who should be in that direction? What hole is that? And you sort of do the math and the way that the manual scoreboard operators take the numbers down, wait a few seconds, pop the numbers back up and the crowds go insane when their favorite players do something or they, there's a buzz around. Um, I can tell you that I was at the 18th green when Tiger Woods, was coming through the end of the back nine because I wanted to be at 18 when Tiger won his fifth Masters. I didn't see his shot on 16, but I can tell you from hearing it, we could hear that shot and the the, the roar from that shot all the way up. You know, as, as people are standing literally 50 people deep, we could hear that all the way up by the clubhouse. It was hugely loud. It was tremendous. Um, my question to you is, as players like Matthew Wolf, who's going to be you know, a, a newcomer to the Masters, players like Colin Morikawa, who's already won a PGA Championship this year at TPC Harding Park, that one was played without spectators. How much an advantage, disadvantage, how much do you think it changes things when these Masters rookies are playing and there are no patrons around the grounds? I think it is a, I think it is a big factor. I, I don't think it's – it doesn't surprise me that Morikawa – and Wolf, two guys that are recently out of college, played well in majors this year because it, these these majors feel like they're playing a college tournament. It's not that very different with no fans being there. And uh, But I think it, the biggest factor would be if they're playing with a Rory or a Tiger Woods on Sunday and, and the way that the, the crowd, that they can play off the crowd and, and be inspired mm-hmm. by the crowd, the support, and the adrenaline rush of, of hearing all those fans – um, and, and, the intim- and, and the intimidation factor for someone like Morikawa. I'm interested in seeing how he or, or, or Wolf uh, and, and potentially some other rookies do in their first time. It's been forever, 79, uh, Fuzzy Zeller, the, the last one to mm-hmm. win in his Masters debut. But, you know, Colin Morikawa, not your average, you know, rookie at, in this no. event. Nope. He's got the iron game to, to win there. And um, I, I like everything about his makeup. It's just it is one of those courses that experience is a huge factor and being able to play it several years. I, I think it takes some time to get to know it. I don't think you can learn it that quickly. And uh, but it'll be interesting to see if he can. I think it's a big advantage. I agree. I think it has the potential to be a big advantage. Morikawa scares me because I don't love his putting and the subtleties, as you allude to, Shoop, of those greens. Everybody. OK, the greens are fast. and There's a lot of move. Um, until I think players have, have been there a few times, it's difficult to appreciate not just how fast those greens are, but when you're putting up hills, how slow they are. I mean, every year we get, for example, on 13, they throw the pin way up on that little shelf in the back of the green. And some knucklehead will go up into that little bunker, and there's no way to stop it, and the ball rolls all the way down, and then they end this 40-foot uphill putt that they leave 10 feet short. And all of a sudden, they're making double bogey on a hole where a lot of guys are thinking eagle. And there's a couple of those putts here and there. And I've, I've talked with some guys who are like, it's it's so fast oftentimes. Again, like we'll see what we get in November. But the, there are certain putts on that golf course that are just so quick. And people don't appreciate sometimes how hard you have to hit the ball going up those slopes because they are so severe. And we pay attention to those things. 
I don't love the way that Morikawa putts. I, I don't. And I'm, I'm getting on the guy. He's like, what, 22, 23, and he's won a major. So this is the proverbial picking nits. Um, I don't love the way he putts. I love the way he hits irons. I love the grit that he showed. I love the drive that he hit it, it, you know, to, to help really finish the job at Harding Park. And the college players and these things, majors feeling like I, I was at Wingfoot. There was no buzz. None. It was a U.S. Open. No offense, but like there was nothing there that would have made you think, "Oh, this should be the most prestigious win for any, you know, player." You know, so far this year, minus the the TPC Harding Park PGA Championship, didn't feel like a U.S. Open. I think this one feels like a Masters because we are at Augusta National. I think the players have internalized that. Whereas if they're going to different venues, they may not they may not feel that way. Yeah, and going back to Morikawa, I mean. When he did win at the PGA, he led in all three st- major statistical categories, driving, iron play, mm-hmm. and putting. He was number one in putting that week. But the, the, greens, the greens at Harding Park are not the greens at Augusta National. And, no, uh, they're not. I, I agree. I do think they take some time. They take years to really learn how to putt those greens correctly. Um, you know, I, I would rather, you know, Adam Scott's a great iron player, and he knows the greens. He might. You know, I, if I'm Colin Morikawa, I am getting practice rounds with someone like Adam Scott or or Tiger. I'm begging or, Phil Mick, Phil Mickelson yeah. or one of these veteran guys to to take me yeah. around and just show me the loops let, and let him, maybe even pay like a, a a local caddy to come with he and his caddy and just like show us what the show us this place. Where, where, you have any thoughts on uh, on Jordan Spieth? I um I'm not. I'm not selling my Jordan Spieth shares, but I'm looking to hedge my bets. <laughs> I'll put it that way. I I want him to succeed. I am a, a huge, huge fan. I um, it's a tough look for my guy right now. It's tough. I I think that this this could be a huge week, the Masters for Jordan. In that, if it doesn't go well, and well for me being top ten, I'm not asking for a win at this point. I think that's unrealistic. But if Spieth can have a good performance in T8 or something like that or solo 10, that's at least something to build on going into 21. If we get a missed cut, if we get, you know, T52, then the that boat is really drifting far from shore now, and that would scare me. I think that um, – there have been hints and flashes of good things, but there's been too many negative things that I've seen from his game, and it's got to be seeping into his head at this point. It just has to be. It's human nature. Yeah, um, he, he's got he's incredible record there, but it be it, it will if he if he just misses the cut or or like you said finishes in the fifties, it could be like the Kurt Schilling line, Mystique and Or, just a couple dancers yeah. at the bar. It's um. It's Costas is of the opinion that that Spieth was chasing distance and got his swing goofed out trying to hit the ball farther and that got him away from what he was. And what he was was a guy who was tour average in length but really precise with the irons and just lights out with the putter. It sounds like a really, really good combination. But as we're seeing more and more guys going up on Instagram posting ball speed numbers, Rory's done it. Obviously, Bryson's done it a few times. We've seen Finau jumping up and down on social media when he breaks 200 on uh, on ball speed. That's where the tour seems to be going, and I get that it would be easy to fall into that trap. But Jordan Spieth is, I think, about six feet tall. Um, you know, Tony Finau is about six foot five or six foot six. Brooks Kepka is is probably about six two or six three and just has probably about fifty or sixty pounds on Jordan. I don't know that Jordan Spieth's wisest move is to try and emulate that game. I think maybe the best move for him is to be sounds like cliche, like the best Jordan Spieth type player um that he can be. It's sort of like this famous I forget the book I read where like they're talking about the Who's drummer, Keith Moon, who is known for being sloppy and playing but like his goal is like, I'm the best Keith Moon type drummer in the world. <laughs> and it was true. It's because like nobody played like him and it made that music so unique. Jordan Spieth, at the height of his powers in 14, 15, 16, is not known for obliterating the ball off the tee. But my gosh, he would just feather these irons in there and make more 15 to 20 footers than anybody could, you know, other than maybe Jason Day at that, at that point. 
and he was winning a lot of titles. And I get the temptation to move away from that, to go where the rest of the tour is going. But until he stops winning with, with what he was winning with, that's a tough argument. You know, I, I, think, it's, I think it's tough. I don't know. But uh, I'm hopeful. But uh, I, I might be willing to, to look to, to buy a few shorts on that position. I might have to start shorting some of those bats. Shoot, give me your favorite. Who do you think? Give me your pick. And give me one Dark Horse pick there as well. I, I think, uh, I think I'd, I'd go in with JT. I think JT, if he I, like put, I like the way he's starting to putt, and, and I think he's got the fire in his belly. He, I, th- I think he wants that green jacket pretty badly. And it would be cool you know, for a guy who grew up a, a Tiger fan and they've developed such a great relationship for Tiger to put the green jacket on his shoulders, mm-hmm. uh, I think would be a, a, that would be a cool. pretty neat story. That, and then, uh, wow, a, a dark horse. Um, well, one, I, I don't know if I'd call this guy a, 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 he's not a dark horse cause he's just bounced back into the top 10 in the world. But, um, yeah, I've got, I've got a, a plenty of shares of, uh, uh, Patrick Cantley and I like the way he's playing. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, he, he had the lead on Sunday last year, made the bogey on 16, just missed on his approach, his tee shot at 16 and, and, it, you know, he, he puts it on the wrong shelf and, and three putts and, and uh, a couple of late, you know, the late bogeys and he, and he's gone, but he was putting together a quite a final round and he's shown that he, he's a guy who can make birdies on Sundays. Um, I, I just, and again, we talk about Xander being consistent, complete game. I think, I think Patrick Cantley's just right there with them. Yeah. And he, you know, I don't know if it, this is his year, but He's got, I think, a green jacket in his future. Very old soul. I was listening to his coach talk on uh, Sirius XM Radio about that. And, um, yeah, it's it's tough to find a problem in that game, isn't there, with, with Patrick Cantley. He's one of those guys that makes it look really easy when it's flowing. And um, I'm going to take John Rahm. You know what? I'm going to go against myself. I, I told you that I would never pick John Rahm in a major until he had won a major. I, I, I just... Every time I, I see him play, every time I look at him, I, I think this could be it. I wonder if um, the synergy of a place where Seve Ballesteros and Jose Maria Alfabo had so much success, um, his game just looks so good right now. I just, just so darn good. If you told me that John Rahm goes out the first day and shoots 64, I'm, I would believe that. I wouldn't have any trouble believing it. If you go tell me he shoots 74, I could believe that too. And I still think he could win the tournament. I, I just, I just think that there are so many birdies that could set up for Rom that uh, I'm willing to go out there. I would love to see Rory win it. I just haven't seen enough inside the ropes since um, COVID really shut down golf to make me feel confident enough to pick him over Rom, who has won and been close and and to me shown enough. Um, I should tell you, by the way, that Patrick Cantley, your guy, they're going off at plus twenty five hundred. So not, not it's certainly a long shot, but not, but 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 some decent value there. Twenty five to one is kind of tasty. What, what's Kepka? Uh, what's Kepka? And the other one, I'm wondering what's what's Patrick Reed because I think he could be. <laughs> uh, Kepka at twenty to one plus two thousand, and Reed at twenty five to one plus twenty five hundred. And where's Bubba? Reed, uh, they've got they've got. Morikawa, Cantley, and Reed all at the same odds, followed by Bubba Watson at twenty eight hundred. So um Speeth is plus five thousand. You know, you start to get into some some pretty rarefied air up there. But um I can tell you for, for people who want to know this, Bryson being the favorite, followed by Rom, DJ, JT, and Rory, Xander at six, Kepka, then Morikawa, Cantley, Reed, Bubba, Terrell Hatton, and Webb, then Tiger, Finau, and Wolf. And by the time you get to there, you're plus 3,300. Then you go up to uh, Adam Scott at 4,000, along with Tommy Fleetwood. And then for 5,000, you get a host of players. Jason Day, J- uh, Jordan Spieth, Paul Casey, Louis Oosthuizen, Justin Rose, Scotty Scheffler. There you go. So that's a lot of different guys. Um, and it included my, uh, my long core, or my, I should say, my, my long shot pick, which is Justin Rose. And um, Justin Rose thinks he is a great putter. Um, And he can be a good putter. I don't know if he's ever been a great putter, but he's been a good enough putter. And Rose has made a bunch of equipment changes over the last six months, and I think is getting back to being Justin Rose. 
And I know that he's gone through some swing stuff and getting away from and, and trying to figure out and own his own swing. I like when guys try and own their own swing. Um, very intelligent player. I think he knows what he can do. I think he can sometimes be a little bit tough on himself, but I think that he still sees himself as someone who has another major in him, having won the 2013 U.S. Open at Marion, uh, which was in a bog. So if the weather is soft and the course does play long, I think that Rosie's got enough in him. It's a long shot. I mean, by definition, it's it's a long shot. I get it. There's a lot of parts of his game that that I don't necessarily love, but I've got a funny feeling that Justin Rose could could find it. I almost went with Louis Oosthuizen because the South African just goes nowhere, and then all of a sudden when tournaments really matter, there's King Louis. We saw it at Winged Foot. We've seen it at the Masters. We've seen it all over the place. Um, those were my two, and I just went with Rose because I just thought it would be a, an even bigger long shot. Yeah, he's he's starting to find. I think you're right. He's starting to find it, but he's been. Uh, it's been a struggle for. I'm oh, really yeah. surprised. Really surprised that he's fallen into a slump like this, uh, considering how well he was playing and and just the good form that we've come to expect from him. Um, the one name what? we haven't mentioned is the world number one, Dustin Johnson. Well, D- Dustin Johnson. You know, we we haven't mentioned him. Um, we should mention him. Sure, I, I, I'm still, <laughs> I don't know, I'm still reeling over the fact that Dustin Johnson had to withdraw from the Masters due to slipping and falling down the stairs. <laughs> I'm still reeling from the fact that Dustin Johnson didn't get into the playoff at Whistling Strikes because he grounded a club. I'm still reeling from the fact that Dustin Johnson three putted and basically at, at you know at Chambers Bay. I, I, we could go on and on and on. Yeah, he's the number one player in the world. He still only won one major, and he certainly earned it at Oakmont. But I don't know. Like it's, it's been a weird thing. He he looked brilliant at Northern Trust. I was there. I saw it firsthand. Um, he could have shot fifty nine. You know, he shot sixty. He can do it. But but what are your thoughts on Dustin Johnson at this point, post COVID? Yeah, it's it it's hard to figure out why he hasn't won yet at Augusta. It, it, I, I think his game should should fit pretty well there he had a great chance last year I, I sure did you know i i don't know um he's he's had to take a few weeks off because of covid we don't really know too much about what that's really been for him um mm-hmm. but i i could see him I, I could see him south carolina kid probably grew up wanting the masters as much as anything you know mm-hmm. and it would be be kind of kind of classic for him to be in a green jacket for life he certainly ticks all the boxes. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, I remember him walking off the green last year at 18. There's a pathway that goes from behind the 18 green and the folks in the security department basically like create a path to, so the guys can go up to the scores tent and up to the clubhouse and sign their card. And Paulina Gretzky was right there and she gave him a big hug. And I remember he just like whispered to her and I happened to be like right, right behind her saying, I gave it everything I could. I loved hearing the fact that like he walked off, he realized he wasn't going to win. I gave it everything I could. And I think that's one of the things that sometimes I don't give DJ enough credit for because he is so, you know, poker faced when he plays golf, everything he's known for like the good and the bad rolling off his back. He's not a fist pump guy. He's not a rah, rah guy, but to hear him say, I gave everything I could reminded me that even if that's what he's showing the rest of the world inside, he's trying his damnedest to win. The skill set is really impressive. Um, I think he is, if not the best driver of the golf ball when he's on his day, there there can't be more than a handful of people that can keep up with him. I don't think there's anybody better. Maybe Rory on his best day is better, but but that's that's it for me. And I realize Bryson hits it farther. DJ off the tee is really impressive. The wedge game over the last several years has gotten better. The putting can be streaky a little bit, but um, the iron game is good. I just don't know, Shoop, about athletes coming back from COVID. You know, I don't know, depending on exactly what yeah, will he, pull a, he has will he had to Cam do. Cam Newton or will? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Um, but like athletes in every sport, I don't know of too many that, that have come out of being, you know, in self-isolation if they've been asymptomatic or if their symptoms have been 
mild enough, hopefully, that they've, allowed, they've been able to come back. I don't know, you know, the athletes po- who have come out of COVID who have performed really, really well, who have immediately jumped back in the next, say, two or three weeks as if they didn't skip a beat. I, it might be just too soon, and yet another bad piece of luck on DJ that he happened to test positive when he did, and it's going to put him in a really challenging position going into Augusta. Well, I just want to say that my my dark horse isn't even in the field because I think Daniel Berger should have been should have been given a spot in this thing. Here, 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 here. Why can you explain to people why he's not in the field? Well, you had the, the field is based on what the field would have been in in March rather than what's happened in the months since March between March and, and November. And so, you know, the fact that he has a victory at Colonial and is a string of great events. He's in the well into the top 50. I mean, not even just, he didn't just slip in. He's, he's number, he's number 14 <laughs> in the world. <laughs> so I, I, I don't understand why they haven't made an accept, you know, just given him a special invite. They want to have the strongest field, the best players. And, and for him not to be there, I think is, is a mistake. And, uh, and I really think he could have, could have been a factor. I, I agree. I, do, do you know of any person or any governing body that would have said, you know what, it's wrong for you guys to make a special exemption for Daniel Berger? No, nobody would have. Yeah, I just, I get that, you know, rules be rules, but I don't think that people probably anticipated that this was going to happen and a guy was going to be able to do what he has done. Um, he's been fantastic. He, you know, T17 at Zozo, T28, Shadow Creek, T34, he was okay, whatever. He was third at Northern Trust, tied for second um, behind JT at the FedEx St. Jude. He wins the Schwab. He was T3 at the Heritage, um, T4 at Honda, T5 at Pebble. I'm like, this this guy has been really good basically since February, pre-COVID. He was, he's been one of the steadiest and most consistent good players around. Yeah, I agree. It's um, It would have been a nice thing to get. I get it that they didn't do it. I'm not going to hold it against them, but yes, that 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 is a decision that should have been made. Shoot, travel safe. Um, watch out for the peach cobbler; it's really good. <laughs> That's all I'll say. It's really good. After three of them, it's also still really good. And I'll leave you with that with that one. Uh, travel safe. When, when are you heading to Augusta? I believe I'm going to go Sunday, the Sunday before. You you, you can't get in the media center until you've passed your COVID test on site. So you got to be there basically a day before you want to step on the grounds. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I want to get there as soon as I can. I would start self-isolating now. That would be the worst to show up as a media member to cover the masters and test positive for COVID being asymptomatic. have to turn around and uh, for you, it's a drive, but man, that would be, that would be a deal breaker. Shoop. Thanks very much for once again, coming on the forward press, buddy. All right. We'll talk soon. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.